So hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Soutcast this season, myself, Glyn Price. And I'm finally joined by my good friend, Ollie Warner, who returns to the podcast after an extended absence for the birth of your first child, Ollie. So I suppose, on, on behalf of, of everybody, how are you getting on, mate? How has how's life been? I'm doing okay, and Benji, my little son, is doing really, really well. Good. He's um, yeah, growing really well, putting on weight. Um, yeah, he's doing really well. He's not a bad sleeper, to be honest. Um, <laughs> averaging kind of like four or five hour blocks in the night and with a feed in the middle, which is pretty sound. Yeah. Um, but it's still quite relentless because, uh, yeah, my wife had a C-section <laughs> and, and, and those listening to the podcast um, know what can happen when you have a C-section. It's mm. quite tough. Um, so I've been a good husband material and I've been doing the nights. Um, and I actually slept last night from um, basically about 9, p- 9 p.m. to about 8 a.m. this morning. Yeah, that's uh, good. So I'm feeling much better today, but but yeah, I was last yesterday. I literally couldn't put a sentence together. I was so tired. <laughs> but it's the joys of parenthood, and you can't really explain to anyone no. what it's going to be like. You just have to go through it, and it's like one moment of like he's like an angel and he's amazing, and the next minute you you're like, what have I done? Um, and he's like <laughs> so angry that he won't feed, and you can't <gasps> wind him because he's so angry. And he's really struggling. Like oh, yeah. you can almost like stand up on his feet. And like won't let you wind him and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's quite funny. So the job oh, I'm trying to bring us some memories back for you. Oh uh, yeah, it's good. It's been a while for me, to be fair, and I'm sure lots of people who are listening to the podcast. But yeah, glad you're settling into it. And um, yeah, you've been watching all the games, haven't you, Ollie? On uh, on yeah. the old I follow whilst you've been off, so you're not too out of the loop. And and obviously listening nope. to the podcast. And um, yeah, I so yeah, we, we've got you back this week. And and it's just probably before we talk about some of the t- upfront news, really, some sad news this week is that um, yeah, due to due to your uh, logistics of, of feeding and winding and all of that sort of thing, um, we pre-recorded the the Wigan game with um, a lad called Spencer um, yeah. who went to the game. So we've already pre-recorded that, and now we're sitting here on the Sunday morning aren't we now to record the game yeah. um, against Doncaster so uh, yeah it might be we do a little bit of that going forward haven't we just to make sure things go right but um, yeah we're still going to be covering every game that's the main thing yeah we've got a couple of weeks now with one game weeks and then obviously then we get into the busy Christmas period um, and then I'm going to be moving house in January oh God. Um, which is obviously going to be fantastic <laughs> uh, maybe maybe even maybe even to call in people to come and help um, but yeah it's all good um, but yeah it's it's good having different people on the podcast though Glenn so yep. you know where, where there's like a, a, a commerce negative in terms of you know not being able to do the pod it's been great having different guests on so it's been great hearing your opinion I did enjoy the, the episode of you and your dad and your brother <laughs> um, I always enjoy those ones so yeah it's been great so yeah good well done done Glenn, you've um, yeah, the podcast has been in good shape while I've been away. Yeah, we, we're good. Whenever we need to miss, we're good. We've had a funny time with the COVID and baby, haven't we? So it's been uh, an interesting few months in terms of the podcast. But getting back to where we need to be now, um, and unfortunately, same can't be said for Shrewsbury, which we will get to. But um, uh, it's worth reflecting, really, the saddest news of, of kind of this last yeah. seven days, Ollie, um, and, and the sad passing of Marvin Morgan. Um, absolutely out of the blue, absolutely devastating, obviously, for his friends and families, teammates, and uh, fans of all the clubs he played for. And um, you know, I, I suppose I'll have my set up front on it. It's it's just dev- it's devastating, really, isn't it? And for me, Marvin Morgan was definitely one of those players that that stood out um, during this sort of new Meadow era. He was one of those players that clearly played with absolute joy every week. He never gave less than hundred percent, which I've talked about as a Shrewsbury Town fans love that more than anything, don't they? And um, you know, got a fair amount of goals in that promotion season. You know, up on the balcony with Grandis and singing, and you know those those moments that kind of stay with Shrewsbury Town fans forever. So um, a, a real big loss to to everybody, really. I suppose that ever knew. And, and everybody that ever supported him and um yeah just just everyone it took a couple of days to process it really after jags as well it's just been been a shocker for losing young players it's it's it was an absolute shock i just literally couldn't believe it i was mm. working it was in the day wasn't it on yeah um on a day early in, in early last week 
when the news was it last week or yeah last week yeah, last week. as a Sunday um into coming through I just couldn't believe it it was an absolute shock he as you said Glenn he played with a smile on his face he, mm. he played in a, in a couple of years we were kind of a little bit of a you know a bit of a golden era you know a couple of seasons for Shrewsbury where we played in an amber striped kit and we had some <laughs> you know some young players coming through and it was a really good time that he was at the club. And she said, she said, Glenn, he was one of those players that would always do something special. You know, there's a reason why he played kind of our level. Yeah. Because he wasn't consistent enough to get to a top level. But when he was on his day, he was absolutely phenomenal, wasn't he? Getting in front of defenders and finishing off and, and having his famous celebration. Yeah. And then watching the Wigan game, really nice um, minutes of applause, which we will cover, uh, which we've already yep. covered. Yeah. And then you see his date of birth, his year, 1983. That's the same year I was born. Mm. Um, and you're you're a little bit older than me, Glenn. Yeah, so 80, yeah. it just like hit me again on, on when I'm watching the Wigan game, and yeah, in quite an emotional state at the moment. And it was just yeah, really hit us because he was such a lovable guy. Um, and then I was listening to the pre-match, and um, BBC Shropshire played that clip where he talks about his creating his brand. Yeah, and he talks about how Connor Goldson and John Taylor and Joe Jacobson um, were helping him with boxes of of, of goods and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. I, th- I reckon he's probably definitely in the new me- in the new Meadow era the coolest player that has played for Shrewsbury <laughs> um, this century. True. Yeah, he's such a cool guy, and he was yeah just such a, and he'd done so well. His brand was you know was being worn by like Romelu Lukaku and Aubameyang and Mad- Mad- Madison and players all across. And they weren't doing it because he they were, he was paying them. They were paying him. He was they were wearing it because it was a cool brand. Mm. Um, and it's and and I feel really sorry if he's got a seven year old daughter. Um, I read. Yeah. Um, and for his family. So, yeah, my heart and my, my love go out to his family and friends who I'm sure will miss him dearly. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things in that, really. One is, I suppose, um, yeah, so one of, the, one of the things I did back in the day for the fanzine is we interviewed Marvin Morgan when he set his business up to understand what Fresh Ego Kid was all about and he couldn't have been more engaging and more, you know, kind of respectful of fans asking him questions and wanting to help. There was de- there was a definite um, wind of Shrewsbury Town fans getting behind Fresh Ego Kid. When yeah, it launched. We were, it was probably one of some of his first, cons- uh, his first, um, his first customers weren't we yeah and people buying it and you could definitely saw it around Shrewsbury more than you saw anywhere else and I remember actually seeing someone Glenn on holiday in Roads wearing a fresh ego yeah. cap you see it around? and I yeah. said oh you're wearing um, Marvin Morgan's brand and he had didn't have a clue what I was talking about <laughs> like I literally could have you know he thought it looked like he thought I was from the moon or something he had no idea what he was talking about and that just shows that his brand had gone beyond yeah. um, Marvin's personality into a recognized um, brand and he always had a lot of time for the fact the club, you know, the fact he was yeah. allowed to do this at our club, and the fact that our fans got behind it, and um, yeah, he was he was a smashing bloke to interview really, and and yeah, that that was really good. And I suppose that you know it, that's been reflected now. And one of the things I've been doing this week, well, I suppose just before I get to the, the banner and stuff, is I help the football club, you know, find some footage because obviously we've got the, the media lads who've not been with us forever, and and you know Marvin's Marvin's played for us what 10, 15 years ago now, whatever it was. Um, so I tried to help them find some of the best footage, including that that kind of interview of um of him talking about launching his brand and stuff. And I watched so many of his post-match interviews and his pre-match interviews with James Bond and Danny at the time. And the, the thing I was struck with the most about watching his interviews back, and you know maybe I didn't watch as many interviews as I did now back in the day, is he was a very gentle, kind soul. The way he talked in the press interviews, the way he came across, funny, um, just uplifting. The sort of person I imagine everyone who worked at the club with him and was teammates of would have, would have you know absolutely loved. He would have just been one of those characters in the dressing room and someone who seemed like a really, really nice guy. And so... 
it was good that the club put out that video kind of um, showcasing yeah. some of the, the lovely side of, of the man. And then obviously earlier in the week, then I, I, we were having a meeting on Monday night um, about uh, setting up an ex-players association, some of the supporters parliament yeah. um, guys. And, you know, obviously the news broke earlier that day. So we, we had a chat and I was like, we need to do something. The South Stand Flags guys contacted me. Um, and yeah, so I started the process of trying to get a banner made um, to hang at the front of the South Stand where the, where the South, South Standing guys are. And yeah, we got a good, nice banner. Everyone will have probably seen it on Twitter by now. And Cyclone Signs have printed it. Matt Burgess obviously has left. He designed it. Um, and as I say, the South Stand, South Stand lads and um, the, the Sports Parliament and, and Brian ended up, you know, saying that the club will pay for it. So it's all come to fruition. It'll be nice to have kind of a lasting memorial. And we've talked about maybe needing to do something for Jagielka as well down the line, which may yeah. be in the fan zone. But at least we managed to, to do um, for more Marvin, really, which will be nice. Yeah, no, it's it's really sad, and yeah, a player will always have a special place in our hearts. Definitely, definitely, and yeah, it was an odd day on Monday. There was lots going on. Um, obviously, the terribly sad news from from Marvin passing away. I went to this meeting to talk about the ex players association, which I think is off the ground now. So there'll be lots of news coming out about that down the line. And then in the evening, um, what what happened in the FA Cup draw? We drew they drew this team called Liverpool. Who <laughs> in in um, away in the FA Cup? Again, Ollie. Again, can you believe yeah. it? Yeah, there we go. What if Jurgen Klopp will turn up this time? Yeah, I imagine he will. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. Could Some... be a little bit awkward when um, our um, execs go to their boardroom again <laughs> um, after what happened last time. But fingers crossed, Jurgen Klopp doesn't decimate the the opportunity for us. Doesn't kind of tarnish it and doesn't tell everyone no. he's going to play the kids. So hopefully, it's full prices, full sellout. Um, and then I think you've got a bit of news about TV, Glenn. Yeah, so it has been moved to the Sunday, hasn't it? And people will probably be aware of that. So we're not sure. We get thirty-two grand for that, and we're not sure whether that's um, for international TV rights or there to be decided. And we'll get a little bit more then. So um, it's been moved to the Sunday, so it could be one that gets selected. So there's a little bit of money in our pocket. I've got to worry at the back of my mind, Ollie, which is. You know, we're, we're moved into plan B now on COVID and there's stuff in the paper about what a plan C might look like in January. Um, how devastated would it be for the club if this game comes around at a point where fans are not allowed back in stadiums for a, for a one-month period and for a second time in a row we lose out on a big payday at Liverpool? That would be it would be harsh, wouldn't it? Yeah, I am literally can only think an hour ahead at the moment <laughs> um, and I can often can't remember what happened Fair an hour enough. ago. Um, so, yeah, you just, you just, I didn't thought about it at all. Mm, to worry. Yeah, that would be real, a big kick in the nuts, wouldn't it? If, um, yeah, we go from potentially getting half a million um, of gate money to nothing. F4. Yeah, to nothing. Yeah. That would be that would be horrendous. <sighs> and that's probably what's going to happen. Oh, don't. And, it's, and then it's another excuse for Cottrell for not signing anyone in January. <laughs> Oh, well, well, that could be the case. We'll we'll come to that over the next few weeks. But yeah, there we go. So yeah, nice nice to get a big draw again, isn't it? I mean, it would have been better to go somewhere new or somewhere where you've got some leg room in the away end. That would have been ideal. But we'll take it. Um, and you know they'll have a few players away on international duty for the for the Senegal team. Is Man- Manny will be away? Only Salah will be with Egypt, so they won't be at full strength. So I fancy us, Ollie. You know we've got such a good away record at the moment. I fancy us to go to Anfield and get something. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not really in that place right now, Glenn, seeing the, the shambles of this week. Mm, there we go. And talking of the shambles of this week, Ollie, I think we better crack on. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll play in what we uh, recorded with um, Spencer um, earlier in the week to do with the Wigan game. Um, and then, yeah, then, then we'll come straight into Doncaster. Here's Udo. It's a good cross, actually. And they'll score through Wally. Shrewsbury Town have taken it. 
So, Wednesday night, 8th of December, uh, 2021, 7.45 kickoff. Um, Wigan Athletic 2, Shrewsbury Town 1. Um, goals for Wigan on the second and 92nd minute, which is incredibly frustrating, um, and sandwiched in between a goal from Ryan Bowman. So, yeah, um, we're obviously doing the podcast a little bit this differently this week, as we mentioned in the intro. Um, and, yeah, joining us to talk about this game, as me and Oliver couldn't make it, is Spencer, who is uh, a bit of a local to Wigan, aren't you, Spencer? So, um, yeah, welcome to the podcast, and, and, and yeah, you're up that way aren't you yeah well um, thank you for having me on Glenn yeah I'm, I'm a bit of an exile these days I live up in Liverpool so you know any games that I can get a bit more local to me are a bit of a benefit and obviously with a cup tie you know even better mm. yeah you've had a couple of games haven't you that's good and yeah just before we uh, obviously bring a, a guest on we obviously ask a little bit of their heritage so you say you're exiled I'm assuming you're from town originally so yeah how did you get into support in uh, Shrewsbury Town yeah, well, I used to go with my dad to the football matches. Um, so my first game actually is all the way back in 2005. So when we were uh, back in League Two, and that was actually the FA Cup uh, first round between um, Braintree. We won four one, and I remember um, oh, Dave yeah. Edwards hitting in the fourth. But you know, some classic um, players from that team. I just remember um, Bill Hart, obviously in goal. You know, Kelvin Langmead, um, and then really once I kind of went to the games, you, you get a bit hooked, don't you? And then you just have to keep going. And then you know, I've never looked back since. Good man, yeah, that's that's it's quite it's 25 by the time you started going to your first games, it's a bit frightening, but uh, as we always say on the podcast, me and Ollie are getting old now, so um, yeah, there we go. So in your in your era then, since 2005, one, one player stand out for you? Is, is your favourite player? Uh, I think it's got to be Grant Holt, um, just in terms of natural ability. Um, I think you're talking about somebody who was you know, much better than the players around him, but what was always good about yeah. Holt is he seemed to elevate everyone, and at times it was good to see, you know, when the team necessarily weren't, um, you know, performing as well, he was always the one to get it out of the bag. And I think we've never really had a player since then, um, really, who can be able to carry a team on the back. Um, and I'll always remember some of the some of the goals, and also I think some of the effort in terms of what he managed to carry through in that season. Oh, he was class, wasn't he? And uh, yeah, I, I, he should have had more than 28 goals that season. He was so much better than everyone else around him. But um, yeah, that's definitely definitely in my top five. And uh, me and Ollie have talked about Holtie quite a few times. And yeah, go on then. Favourite game in that period before we move on to Wigan, which probably wasn't the winner of that particular award. Well, the game that I always remember most fondly, I think, is the 4-0 against Hereford um, when Mark Wright crossed in. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, that absolute cannon of a shot um, into the game I think what I really miss at the moment is in this division don't really have any local rivals as much I know yeah. we've got crew but um, I miss the days when we've actually got um, teams like that around us and I remember the hat trick and it was just the almost euphoria around it um, and I think we kind of went out of that game not just because it's local rivals but the performance all round it felt like we'd really kind of gelled together as a team and obviously that was part of the, the catalyst mm. in that really really great season under Turner yeah, good choice, good choice. It's funny, Ollie, actually, we've been talking about this a few times, don't we? We've mentioned it on the podcast, but I'm very anti Wrexham coming back into the league. But I think, Ollie, a few times you've mentioned that you wouldn't mind them back because, you, as, as Spencer just mentioned there, we don't have any local rivals, do we? So, yeah, I'm, st- I'm still not sold on that, Ollie, but you're, you're behind the idea, I think. I like the idea of having a rival in some ways, but then at the same time, following lots of other podcasts, some of the stuff you see from like Newcastle and Sunderland fans is so mm. tedious and boring. <laughs> it's like. I just don't really get it. So in some ways, yeah, it's nice to have a arrival because you have those big games and have that kind of excitement and big away days and big away followings. But at the same time, some of the nonsense that comes with it um, is is a bit boring, to be honest, and it's a bit childish. Mm. But yeah, it, it'd be nice. I, I, the trouble with Wrexham, though, if they do come up, they might be funded quite heavily, so that could be quite <laughs> frustrating. But yeah, I think um, I think it was good, wasn't it, when we had like Hereford and Vale yeah. um, and all those games and stuff. It was it was a good bit more fun. 
No, let's hope we don't go down because there's a few rivals back in yeah. League Two, isn't there? And I'd happily avoid them for the moment. But um, yeah, thanks for that, Spencer. Anyway, welcome to the podcast, and uh, good to get a bit of your history and, and and for people to know where you're coming at it from and, and who you've seen over the years. So, yeah, Ollie, um, you've not done this for a while, but yeah, what what stats have you got before as we dive into this Wigan game and, and start to go for it? Yeah, well, the first one I'll, I'll do myself. You can do the next two. Um, so yeah, <laughs> ten ten points from twelve from Wigan coming to this game, and um, it just shows you what good form they're in. Um, obviously, they are right at the top of the table. Uh, some really good recruitment in the summer and we think we saw that quality a little bit at times on Tuesday but yeah they came into this game in form and we didn't come into it in too bad form though did we Glenn even though we know we're still not having a great season Mm. Yeah, but that form is very much based on our on our home form picking up, isn't it? And it's something that the even the managers picked up on this week, as as we'll go through when we go through his post match comments. But um, yeah, as as I say, this this away run now is particularly historically bad. So we're now eleven league games without a win, um, and our points per game in that run, Ollie, is a staggeringly low zero point one eight one eight. Um, so less than zero point two points per game well, in that's this run, truly which horrific. It is horrific. We've had longer runs, as I've mentioned a few times now. We've, we've lost up to some, something like 20 away games in a row, particularly during the, the Simpson era. But the points per game was never that low. You know, we, we scrapped more draws out of, the, of that really bad run under Simpson particularly. So yeah, it is by far the lowest points per game in any run where we've lost more than eight, not one eight games in a row away from home. So definitely something that needs to change. And it's a shame because this is one of those games where it could have happened. But um, yeah, it wasn't to be. And it, it means we've now dropped five points off where we were at this uh, point last season. So again, just kind of highlight that there really isn't that margin for error as much as things have been picking up um, we're still we're still struggling compared to last year so um, yeah there you go there's the negative stats drop Ollie um, but yeah let's, let's I suppose really go to the team selection and uh, yeah read us through that and we'll, we'll get an idea of what Spencer thought when he saw the team yeah it was, it was the team selection in which we all thought I don't think we really saw much else happening to be honest um, <laughs> what else can is, we do? is the squad as it is at the moment um, so yeah Maurice was in goal and Pennant and Leahy and Nurse who formed a good partnership in defence Daniels slotted in at right wing back, and Bennett and Vela in the middle, or better at left wing back. And then I thought we played more of a 3 4 3 on Tuesday night. I'd be interested to get Spencer's view on that. But yeah, then we had a Doe and Bloxham behind Bowman. So, firstly, um, Spencer, did you think that was the team you'd see? And, and did, you, did you think it was a 3 4 3? Was it more of a, a number 10? Um, I think with the team selection, I kind of agree with Glyn. We haven't really got any other options, so the team almost picks itself at the moment. I mean, you can look at the bench and you can see how many young players we've got um, from the academy. So we literally have no other options. Um, I completely agree, though. We definitely played a 4-3-3 um, in that game, which actually I was really um, pleased with because it didn't seem like a formation that we were just going to try and absorb absolutely loads of pressure. It felt to me actually like we were willing to you know, have a go at them and have an attack. Um, which is, you know, what we really want to see, um, especially away from home with the record we've got at the moment. Um, but again, there's not a lot of options, really, is there? There's not a lot of depth. Yeah, I totally agree, Spencer. It's um, it's needs must, and um, we are very much down to the bare bones, as, as me and Pilch talked about last week, I suppose. And um, yeah, just stumbling through to January, aren't we? So um, yeah, there, there's that really. I suppose yeah, team selection. It's not. I say we've been saying this for a few weeks now. It's not most staggeringly interesting thing at this moment in time, other than finding out which is which player is play, being played out massively out of position. But um, there we go. So obviously, me and Ollie were, were sat at home, um, avoiding the rain that is always up north, which I'm sure you're more than used to living up north. And um, yeah, we we obviously had um, as we mentioned in the. Intro, what's going on with Marvin Morgan this week? But um, yeah, what did you make of, of the of the the moment for Marvin before the game started? And any any reflections on Marvin Morgan really from yourself, Spencer? Well, firstly, I think it's um, important to say that Wigan were actually incredibly respectful as well with that um, the four yep. minutes applause, um, and that was observed from absolutely everybody. Um, I think we were all a bit shocked, weren't we, last week with it because it kind of came out of the mm. blue. 
Um, but again, Mint's applause was, you know, we had everybody, everyone in the away end clapping away. There wasn't anyone really kind of holding out, um, you know, and I think that just shows what kind of player Marvin Morgan was. Um, to me, my fond memories really um, with him is we've got a player who was willing to have a go. And what we love, I think, as Shrewsbury fans is effort more than anything. Yep. You yep. know, if Marvin Morgan could have finished more and was more clinical in front of goal, he wouldn't definitely not have been at this club. He'd have been at a much, much higher level <laughs> in terms of the championship. But it was just the fact sometimes he'd miss, you know, a guilt-ed chance. But he came up with some massively important goals. And again, I think what was really good with him is he brought a character, he brought an energy. And I think, you know, without him, we wouldn't have had some of the successes we did. And I think that it was really important that we recognise that as a player, that sometimes as a striker, you don't necessarily have to score loads of goals every single week to make yourself a hero at Shrewsbury. I think it yeah. shows that if you're willing to put in 100% and you actually, you know, lift the players around you, that's something that can make you a cult hero. Um, and I think Marvin Morgan is definitely one of those players that, I, you know, I've got very, very fond memories of. I think that's really well said, that, that Spencer. And I think we, you know, we've obviously reflected our thoughts as, as well during the podcast. And um, yeah, there's not a Shubutan fan that wasn't left affected by it. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll, obviously, it was really nice for a moment for you. And I suppose, Ollie, we were sitting at home watching that and then, yeah, thinking, well, where's this going to game go? And uh, yeah, minute and a half later, Ollie, <laughs> what happened, mate? Yeah, not the best start to the game, was it, from Shrewsbury's <laughs> perspective? No. Um, bit of play down the left hand side. Um, Bennett, who was one of Wigan's best players, was a left wing left back. Um, yes, a bit of bold in play across to the back post, and yeah, it, I guess it, this is the this is the risk that we have when you play with wing backs. You haven't got that natural winger position to follow the full back. I presume it was Dan Ado's job, um, but yeah, he didn't follow him uh, follow um, the man, and yeah, they fired home, and yeah, terrible start to the game from a Shrews point of view. Away at a, a side that is invested heavily in the summer. And has aspirations of automatic promotion, and it's on a good run of form. Conceding a goal that quickly, Glenn, was was far from ideal. Yeah, terrible. Um, particularly when we're, we're talking about not trying to, you know, help these teams we're playing at the moment. And our record of starting slowly is pretty bad this season, isn't it? But so yeah, I suppose Spencer sitting in the stadium, you had that sinking feeling straight away. I guess considering their form and our form. I think what um, it really shows at the moment is away form. We really do have very, very slow starts. Um, and again, we've just kind of been hit by one of our slow starts again. Um, while we mentioned Bennett, I thought Josh, um, Josh Daniels had actually a very, very poor game. Um, and I think he looked a bit out of fish out of water mm. in the first three minutes because, again, Bennett's having to come across to cut it out. Um, Udo's tracking the man at the back post, but I think Ogbetta kind of gets stuck in no man's land with it. And again, I think it's just a few different errors and individual errors that kind of um, that kind of cost us there. And I think it's a good cross in, but certainly, you know, Udo's trying to pick up his man. But it's very difficult to tell who's at bl- to blame for that goal in terms of tracking the man. Yeah, for me, it was clearly a doe. I, th- I thought that some um, better tucked in and was was in was in position, and he can't he can't tr- he can't track. I don't say the fullback as well as well as the, the left winger, and, and that's the challenge um, having this formation, isn't it? Um, and on Daniels, yeah, I, Wiley seems like a good lad, and he seems like a hard worker. It's just that's the fine margins, isn't it, of having someone playing out of position, mm. and you get caught. And yeah, just because you play right wing back doesn't mean you're a, a right wing back. And it is um, it is frustrating. I do feel sorry for him. I'd love him to have have a, you know five games in a row in his best position to see how good he really is. Well, it's not going to be here because we don't play with wingers very often, do we? And uh, no, well, you can we play three four three, and you could play you know become the <laughs> no, do role he played. But yeah, you're right, Lynn. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's not ideal for him. 
Yeah, it's not not a, you know most you know we, I like traditionally think most teams play four four two in League Two, Ollie, like it was back in the day. But maybe maybe they don't. Maybe we won't I find doubt out that they do that anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, there we go. And obviously, yeah, it's it's harsh, you know, to have gone down one nil so early on. But you know, there were errors there, and you know, we don't concede goals just because we're unlucky. There are mistakes that can be rectified, and I think you guys have identified those. But let's be honest, in terms of that first half. That was really about as bad as it got for Shrewsbury, and it was kind of unkeeping un, un with the rest of the, the half, really, for Shrewsbury, because I thought we played some really nice football in the first half, um, some good passing football, and actually, you know, settled down after that goal quite quickly and, and took took sort of um, a grip of the game, really. And Wigan was still a threat, obviously, on the character in particularly, but, you know, you couldn't really fault the lads' effort and commitment and, you know, ability, really, in that in that period after they scored, could you, Spencer? It was, was a good response. To be honest, I think that's the best we've played away all season from what I've seen. Um, in yeah, terms of the passing and the movement, it was almost like the the goal almost shook them up to actually wake up a little bit. And then I think Wigan almost sat back um, and, you know, allowed us to have a bit of a period. But we were playing it around really well. I think with the 3-4-3, it really just started to unsettle Wigan a bit. I'm not sure whether they've experienced that um, formation too much, but I think that the strikers were certainly making the room and pulling it um apart and I think that the way that we were finding the gaps and finding the space was really really good and I think they struggled with that especially from a passing perspective Yeah I, th- I think that's bang on I'd agree, totally agree with that I thought the 3-4-3 worked really well because of Doe um, and Bloxham really put pressure on their fullbacks who was a big outlet for them um, I thought our pressing worked really well Wigan are clearly a side that like to play the ball out the back um, and I thought we did really well um, forcing them into mistakes um, and yeah you're right I think the, the, the first half was we've done it before. I can't remember who it was against, away against someone else. Um, we played really, really well in the first half, playing a load of passing football. Cheltenham. Yeah, Cheltenham, that was it. And then the second half, we just disappeared. And it was the same again here. But yeah, you're right, Spencer. We played some really good football in that second, in that first half, sorry. Um, I thought we played some played some good attacks. Um, Roberto was really involved as well. Um, I thought he was quite good in this game overall as well. It was, it was noted by Wigan fans that he, he was a good player. Um, he had that shot blocked. And that came from the corner, which was that Daniel's header that was cleared off the line. Um, I don't know if you had a better view from us. That didn't look, I don't know, from a TV camera angle, it didn't like it went over, but it was close. I think it's difficult to tell because we were um, we were at the other end of the pitch um, with it overlooking it, um, and it seemed to me that um, you know he headed it. There wasn't didn't look a tremendous amount of pace on it, but it, in terms of finding the line, it's very difficult to tell from the stand we were in. Yeah, there wasn't a pace on it. That's a really good thing. I was going to comment on that. It was one where he got a good header and he steered it the right way, didn't he? But n- not enough pace on that one, unfortunately. And then he was involved a few minutes later, wasn't he? Down the other end, then Daniels, where he got done a little bit too easy, and Morosi made the first of, of a few saves during yeah, this game. That was, and, um, and that's for me is just the classic example of someone who's not natural in that position. The player literally just did one movement mm. to the side, a little, <laughs> a, a little feint, and he completely did him. And then he went in and had a shot, a better effort there, and that would have been a goal, um, which was frustrating to see. And then I thought it was one of the highlights kind of of the first half in some ways was the battle Spencer between Tilt and Bowman. Um, and Tilt, there was a few moments where he went down quite easily, which is quite funny, much to Bowman's frustration. Um, I really like Bowman as a player. I think he puts himself about, you know, he gets in the ear of defenders, and it's been a while since you've had someone like that. And I think he just rattled him. Um, I think actually we talk about the front three for a second Udo was magnificent as well I think that we just unsettled them um, they're quite big in terms of you know Bowman's bigger than a lot of people think 
Um, and the same with Udo, that they were getting physical, they were getting in their face. And I think that maybe Wigan weren't necessarily um, prepared for that. Um, and I thought Bowman, again, was, you know, trying to get in the right positions, trying to get the flick on as well as Udo. And, you know, they were really trying to work off each other. Just, oh, yeah, I haven't had the chance to talk about Udo. Obviously, I haven't been on the podcast for a few weeks. And <laughs> he's unbelievable, isn't he? The difference in this player... There was several times of you emoted and Spencer where he he was composed on the ball. He took the ball under control. He either sometimes he'd lay the ball off. Sometimes he'd try and do a man. Sometimes he'd play a forward pass. Um, his decision making is is much better. His passing is much better. It's absolutely phenomenal, Glenn. The the improvement he's made as a player. Um, and as I put on Twitter early on on Friday, in the last five games, he's 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 contributed five goals. He's you know, with, with assists and goals, which is yep. absolutely fantastic. Yep. Well, he's been nominated for the League Player of the Month. He's just been voted Chief Towns Player of the Month. Yeah. Um, he is definitely playing the best football of his league career, I would imagine, considering he didn't have one before he came here. And this is definitely the best he's played for us. Uh, certainly a player on the up, you know. And suddenly yeah. he's gone from a player which you know we lamented and, and, and considered that maybe wasn't worth a contract to a player that suddenly, you know, if he had another year on his contract, which he doesn't, um, would have been worth a bit of money. To the I club. thought we signed him a two-year deal, of... I thought we signed him on. Well, we did. I, I'm not too sure. Actually, yeah. you could be right. If we have, then that's pretty smart, isn't it? In the end, and, and you know, maybe you're looking at some fame money. Um, so, you know, he's he's getting to a point where you know. We're I'm not, not sure he's at a level where he's going to leave Shrewsbury Town, um, no, but he's certainly a, a solid League One player now, which is where 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 he was before. I think is 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 a great result, and for him, um, you know, he he must be really pleased with that. It's, it's a fantastic reward, yeah. I think, at the moment, and so, and he must be loving the the uh, the applause from the fans as well. Yeah, yeah. And we, I, I won't tell you too much because I've talked about it yeah, recently. Have, yeah. someone, someone made a really good point on Twitter this week about, um, you know, the, the discussion we're probably going to have about Cosgrove as we go on about how even when Odo wasn't scoring, the reason why lots of fans still rated him and he was kind of a fan's favourite even though he wasn't scoring with certain sections of the fan base was that he always put 100% effort yeah. in, didn't he? Didn't he? You could never complain about that. And now he's added that that hard work to some, some genuine quality. And that's why he's gone from being a bit of a kind of fan's favourite to a total fan's favourite. Yeah. yeah, I think well well deserved in the last few weeks. But, um, I was going to say, Spencer did say one thing about Bowman there, which I totally agree with. He gets in the right place at the right time. And on 38 minutes, that's exactly where he was. Because the man we've just been talking about, Ado, a nice bit of play with um, Ogbetta down the left-hand side. Um, and then Ado, for me, is shooting. Um, and uh, it's going maybe in. It's hard to tell. It probably was going wide. But there's the, the man Bowman. A bit of a sniffer, James Collins type. Five five yards out, just slides in and tops tops it in from one yard out, and um, yeah, a very well deserved goal, and um, yeah, that's the sort of sort of sniffing goal that we've we've been lacking in this team for a long time, Spencer. Um, yeah, completely deserved, I thought as well. Um, in term, apart from the first three minutes, I thought we gained the upper hand, and we probably deserved the equaliser. And um, with Udo again, it, I agree, it's very very difficult to work out whether he's shooting or whether that's a cross. But I think it's I a think cross. With Bowman, he's I think definitely you, you're, you're playing it down. His his football intelligence has improved so much that was a cross. I'm not having anything. It's still the assist, by the way. It's in the assist, and it's a brilliant cross. I'm, that's why I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'd argue with anyone that. Fair enough. Well, what I will say with it is I think that, you know, Bowman, right place, right time, um, exactly what he needs to do. Just quickly on Udo, though, with it, it's the effort and it's the commitment that we've put in. And I think, actually, as much as sometimes, you know, Cottrell rightly gets criticised uh, at points, I think I think it says a lot about maybe the coaching and stuff that he's had over the last year or so, because he's bulked up, he looks more energised, he looks more drilled. 
Totally agree. Um, they've, they've definitely brought him and a few players on so far this season. And what yeah. we're saying, I mean, we're getting better slowly and surely. So you, you can kind of put that to it. But it's um, it's it's marginal with some players. Let's be honest about it. I mean, yeah. After that goal, Ollie, I, I don't know if you had anything to say about it. You can in a minute. I'll, I'll throw it back to you. But I think the rest of the half played out. You know, we we sort of knew we'd got back to one one. It came a little bit closer. I think we're going to start to get back into it a bit more as we went off to half time. Um, and yeah, one one at half time for me, Ollie was deserved. And I I felt at half time. Don't know about you that you know we were thinking about this first away win. I felt Felt like it was actually there, um, but was worried did that Wigan would start to play a bit better. Yeah, I did because we were dominating. We would, we were, we were, we were on top. I wouldn't say we were dominating. I thought Wigan's threat was always there. You know, Morosi, we would oh, yeah, made quite good. a few saves, and they had four shots, and I think probably, but you know, four of them were probably on target. They were very effective in their attacking play. Um, overall, I thought it was a brilliant half from us. Definitely deserved um, to be um, drawing at half time. Um, yeah, we had twice as many shots as them, but as you pointed out here, been only two on target, which is a huge issue for this club for like the last three years. Yeah, and, and that was the last two shots on target we had in the game, yeah. none in the second half. Second half to, was so, um, poor. I don't think we we'll spend too much time in the second half, no. apart from maybe discussing certain players. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a, a poor a poor second half. But at half time, Spencer, what what was your thoughts? Um, I think with it, it was a bit of surprise more than anything that we'd put in, you know, really good shift and got the equaliser because you get a bit um, pessimistic when it comes down to away matches at the moment. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say as, I, you know, I thought we were set up to win it, um, but I would say that we were on definitely for a point. Um, I think that the the uh, halftime really helped Wigan more than us. I think if we'd have continued a little bit longer, maybe we'd have nabbed the second. But I think really, you know, we can't have too many complaints through that. Um, and again, 100% effort, everything we want to see. And again, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the, um, you know, some of the events in the second half, which maybe kind of brought us a bit um, down to earth. Yeah, the second half was incredibly bitty and and broken play and um, yeah you know we weren't really wanting to get up too quickly for some of our knocks some of them were legitimate because obviously we had injuries and stuff so it was, it was a very poor strange, second it was a huge change in methodology or methodology kind of impetus from Shrewsbury wasn't it we, we first half we were really front foot passing doing really really well pushing them and, and pushing them back we played some really nice football as we mentioned second half was just turn that switch off I don't know whether it was just like just players that were tired. Obviously, we had the long trip to Carlisle, then another trip north again. I don't know where that came into play, um, but yeah, the the um, unfortunately the second half for me is dominated by by negative negative thoughts and negative. Yeah, it was a bit of a return to some of our normal play away from home, if we're brutally honest about it. And um, yeah, we started really sloppy, I thought. Um, and and the, you're right, Ollie, the attacking threat just completely dropped out of us. And, you know, we had one moment quite early on in the half. It was a bit lucky where Morosi sort of had a kick charge down by Lang and it hit him on the back or the arse. I'm not too sure where. And it went eventually out for a, for a goal kick. But, um, you know, we've seen plenty of those bounce off people's butts and go in. And um, yeah, I think the game went like that. And then for, for me personally, I'm not sure about you two, the key moment came there where... There was a several, as I said, there were several knocks. Particularly Bowman and Odo went down with some some early injuries and and got up eventually. But it wasn't too long into the half when Bowman just couldn't run off his injury, Spencer. And um, yeah, that swap Bowman for Cosgrove clearly changed the game for us a little bit. Um, but it's going to be pretty devastating if Bowman's out for a little while. And um, we've had the news today um, that. Uh, Bowman is not going to be ready for Doncaster, so it's clearly going to be something that keeps him out a week at least. So um, yeah, not not a great moment in the game or for our season really at the moment. Again, it comes down to depth, doesn't it? Um, you know, we've got players that we can't really rotate, um, so it's no wonder they're going to be picking up knocks and various things at stages of the season. Again, it's just injuries that really killed the match for me. 
Um, I think that the two subs, you know, bringing on Pike and Cosgrove, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit later on, but that, that for me killed the match. Um, it just took all the energy, the emphasis out of the attack. Um, and again, I think it just shows, though, as well, picking up those knocks, how much effort has, you know, been put in by um, Bowman in the last few weeks. I think that's a really good comment, to be fair. Yeah, the the game swung out of our favour because of the players. Um, you know, thinking of it again, I you know, totally agree. Mm. I think Bowman was leading that press, wasn't he? He was setting the tempo. Um, and yeah, 53 minutes, um, Cosgrove comes on and... Yeah, he's not even a tenth of the player that Bowman is. Um, his attitude just stinks. Um, yeah, it's funny. I was chatting to um, a Blues fan, um, a Blues fan who does like Blues analysis pod, um, does Blues analysis, um, and I, I told him that we were debating whether he's the worst loan signing we've ever had. Uh, exactly. And I do like your brother's comment, Glyn, that there's only the only way Burnley could have paid two million for him is if it was um, for um, um, for money laundering. <laughs> yeah, the tax, the tax dodge. He said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast didn't need to be fair. And um, I think my dad's comment on the podcast two weeks ago was more, uh, more, more, more reflective of town fans' opinions at the moment, where he said he offhandedly said that Cosgrove was dead to him. So um, there you go. Well done, Dad. He just um, doesn't try, I mean, does he? And, and Spencer, so you saw him. You yeah. saw him perform um, in the flesh on, on Tuesday night. God, do you think he was even trying half, half attempt, or was it? You know, it just seemed for me like he just couldn't be bothered. He didn't want to be there. I saw him at Accrington as well away. Um, I just think we have got somebody who is lazy, who cannot be bothered um, to, you know, even run five yards. And for me, you know, as much as, you know, in the second half, we have got somebody who's who's trying to get on the end of flick-ons. That's not enough. You need to run. You need to make the effort. You need to actually show yourself as an option. Uh, For me, you know, talk about awful loan signings. I think he's probably the worst purely based on the amount of minutes he's got. Feel with him that there is no effort there. And, you know, that I want to see something. We talk about Marvin Morgan as as a good comparison here. He might not have got as many goals. But I always saw him chasing things down, putting in that effort, trying. And with Cosgrove, there's nothing. It feels like he doesn't want to be here. The fans clearly don't think he's good enough. The manager's now calling him out in, you know, um, his his press conference afterwards. Yep. You know, send him back in January. If he doesn't want to be here, we'll find players who do. Oh, yeah, that's why I said to the Blues fan, I said, you've got a major problem when you get him back because he's our fifth-choice fifth striker. I was surprised he actually came on before. Yeah, I was surprised he actually came on before, Pike, to be honest. Uh, maybe because it was the the lead striker he came on in, in rather than than Pike, um, but it's just yeah. yeah it's it's a sad state of affairs, and uh, the both loans have been um, have gone have gone quite poorly really. And I think that it's um people might think why are you being so harsh about Cosgrove? Well, you know I'm, I'm I'd be equally harsh about Pike who I thought was pretty terrible when he came on again. And this this is you know this it, when you watch this game and I'm, I'm sure lots of people did watch it and I follow, but there was only say 270 town fans there. <clears throat> the, the effort they put in completely undermined their teammates. You know, there were nine lads that finished that game who worked their absolute bollocks off for Shrewsbury Town, and I couldn't criticise any of them really. They all had decent games, and they tried what they've been doing the last few games, which is putting the most amount of effort in and getting some results out of it. But the two lads that came on let them down. They, they didn't, as Spencer said, they didn't chase. Very rarely won a flick on. Um, you know, they, they didn't put that that required kind of quality in when they got the ball. Cosgrove, you can talk about his effort, but frankly. I have yet, I have rarely seen a big name player come to this football club and have absolutely no first touch. Like no first touch. I wouldn't like, call him a big name, but a, well, someone who's, who's know, had a high big transfer fee. Reputations yeah. of some kind. Yeah, yeah. He, he is. He's quite honestly one of the worst strikers I've ever seen at Shrewsbury Town Football and Club. For, and I think the thing debate... is, for me, this also makes them look worse than they necessarily are. Is that how hard working the rest of the team is? 
that's the mm. thing that's been for me most impressive about the team while I've I've been away the last few weeks is that the togetherness with like you no know, Pennington and Ebanks and Leahy and Nurse um, yep. um, and Vela and you know, Davis is playing Ado and Bowman and Bloxham they they must be absolutely knackered after the end of the game and then they got these two muppets coming on and ruining the show for us um, and the drop off mm. between the first eleven and the subs bench um, I really feel sorry for the kids is 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 huge at the moment and I do. F- I- Good job of playing Doncaster because we were playing someone um, at the top end of the table on Saturday. Um, I'd be quite worried with the, the lack of options. We should be starting Caton ahead either of them. At least he'll Caton, run around. I mean, give him a chance. Exactly. I think you'd do a lot more. You know, have him. Yeah, give him a box and potentially Anado, but have them. You know, in ear shot of Vela, ear shot of Ado, talking through the game. Obviously, Aaron yep. and that on the sideline. They'll, they'll, they'll just let them play their natural game. Keep it really simple for them, and just go out there and work the work the socks off. Um, and see what they can do. I'd much rather see Caton play than, than Pike um, or Cosgrove. Can I just start when we talk about Pike and, and Cosgrove? I mean, looking at them both, I'm just going to say, I can't remember a single touch Pike made in that second half. And he came on for a good 20 minutes. And I can't remember him touching the ball once. And it's something you probably guys don't see on TV, but... The one thing that I noticed, okay, Cosgrove had obviously been instructed, Moroso whack the ball on to him and get the flick on. Pike's nowhere near him. And again, when it comes down to not having the ball, it's about you making the space, putting the effort in. Now, Cosgrove on the one side is a big lump. He can, you know, head the ball. Again, he's got no first touch, but you can, you know, stick it up to him and he can try and get ahead on it. Pike, just genuinely, I have seen nothing from Pike that makes me think that, you know, there's any sort of player there. We've got, you know, when we look at that second half, what I want to see from a striker is if you're out of possession, you don't have the ball. What I want to see is you running into space, you know, give me the ball, make the option. And he's just walking, jogging around, you know, not actually getting free of defenders, not trying to do it. And there was one point in that second half where Udo's got the ball, he's holding the ball up, he's running down the wing, looking over his shoulder, waiting for support. And you've got Pike having a casual jog about 10 yards behind him and Cosgrove, you know, completely anonymous. And with Pike at the time, it seemed a weird contract to hand three years to someone unproven at this level. But I've got absolutely, I've seen nothing there um, that makes me think, you know, even we talk about players, could they do it at League Two or Conference? I've got nothing there. Pike makes me think I could still be a professional footballer. I think someone could have played instead of Pike. So Pike came on, what was it, 66 minutes. He made two passes attempts. Two in nearly half an hour, he had two, well, the tendency to make two passes, um, and he and he's fifty percent pass completion. Um, um, Sam Grosgrove on the other side had the chance to do nine passes um, and um, made five. He gave the ball away seven times, and he did five fouls. We saw two more passes than me. Yeah, it's it's just like these two shouldn't be at the club. It's 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 it's, it's, it's an embarrassment that Sam Ricketts gave Pike a three year deal, and it was desperation I think in getting Sam Cosgrove on loan. Do you know what I think, Ollie? I, I genuinely think, and this is, shows you how bad the situation is, is that we would have stood a better chance in the last 20 minutes if Pike had gone back to right wing back and Josh Daniels played up front. I think that would have been better because Josh Daniels would run around a bit at least and, and there would have been more action. And it just shows you how bad it's gone, doesn't it? And yeah. I, I guess, uh, you know, we'll talk about this game now and kind of kind of wrap it up, I suppose, but we, yeah. we've had our say on those two and, and it, it completely undermined everybody else. And 
I'm sure that you know the rest of the team were fuming at them when they came off, and yeah, there wasn't too much happening in that second half really for us that was no. positive. Um, I think that we we got to be very praiseful of the defence and the keeper for most of that second half, up to right up to the end. Um, they stood strong really well. All the defenders played really well. I thought, which was which was good to see again. Um, because we have obviously lamented how leaky our defence has been this season, but I don't think they deserve to concede two in that game. Let's be honest about it. Um, yeah, McLean had an effort saved Morosi, and then Leahy followed up with a block, which was good. And it looked like we were just grinding it out. We were getting there. They weren't being too too good for us um, um, and then yeah 92 minutes what happened Spencer go on from your point of view in the stadium what did you witness right well again it's because it's the opposite end it's very very difficult to tell but I've had a quick look on the highlights um, what I noticed is somebody cut, uh, one of the Wigan players cutting inside and okay you know if you're defending like that you show them the outside you don't let anyone get on the inside to it but I just remember seeing one player stood doing nothing as soon as that it was cut inside there was a player who literally stood and watched, didn't close down the space, didn't try and shut it down, just watched. And all of a sudden, you know, the player, the Wigan player, is going to take that opportunity to curl it into the top corner and just smashes it in from about 25 yards. It felt like a carbon copy of the goal we conceded away at Bolton. And again, what annoys you with that is nine players on that football field putting 110% effort to get that win, mm. sorry, to get that draw over the line. And it's no surprise that Pike's the guy who gets beaten on the cut on the inside. But what makes that worse is you've got um, Cosgrave stood there, refusing to even even walk. Well, he moves out of the way. He actually moves out of the way of the opposition. He goes the opposite way. He actually moves away to give more space to the to to the midfielder. Idiot. Yeah. But again, it's just the it's curling it in. I, I'm, we'll talk about Morosi in a second, but I think Morosi could do better. Um, it's not that you know it's not like it's inside the box where he's only got a few seconds to see it but I wonder if he's almost waiting for the space to be closed down and the reason he dives late with it is he's expecting Cosgrove to get to the guy yeah I, yeah the, the front two let the team down didn't they that, that's the summary of that goal and it is interesting I've put in the agenda here Morosi and long shots is this a problem um he's starting to get beat by range a fair bit this season now when we this start kind to look of shot does seem to be a weakness of his yeah it? I, I, I and you know are we harsh on him is should there be more cover should is there something that the lads have been trained to do to kind of stand aside on those long shots or is he being unsighted by defenders and it's just that he's had three or four of them happening in a row I don't know but it, it, it is becoming a little bit of a pattern isn't it Ollie and I don't know is it something you're starting to be worried about um i think league one goalkeepers you're gonna have weaknesses somewhere um i think you know he made enough he did a lot enough in this game for me to not give him a hard time um i think you have weaknesses at some point in your game um playing at this level um but i think yeah, as you as, as spencer already said um the, the blame clearly goes into certain on two certain players i mean we'd have been out of that match quite early on if it hadn't been from Rosie in the first place with a lot of yes. his, yeah, his saves that second half. But it's it's what you expect this level with League One goalkeepers, that you've got that, you know, there's obviously going to be gaps to their game. Um, I think Morosi's a good shot stopper. But again, I, I find it quite confusing for somebody who's that size. I remember when we had was it Steve Arnold, who was quite big as well and struggled to get down. Yeah. And maybe it's the case that, you know, he's quite a, a, a tall player whether or not he gets beaten from outside the box with low shots because he struggles to get down. Um, but again, I still think maybe he could be doing a little bit better with positioning. But again, we didn't lose that match because of Morosi. Nine players deserved that draw at Wigan and two players didn't. And the two players are the reason we lost that match, not Morosi. Yeah, what was your, what was your feeling, Lynn, after the game? 
Yeah, well, I, I can't really disagree with what Spencer just said there. Yeah, I don't. I, it felt hard to lose um, the game, to be honest with you, on the on the balance of the of the ninety minutes. But we definitely did not to lose, deserve to lose that game. No, the draw with no, a fair result. But I saw I saw a few people saying, "Oh, it's, it's, you know, I, I I wasn't surprised we lost it though." Do you know what I mean? It just seems to be things that are happening this season, and that's why we yeah. can't keep dragging ourselves away from trouble. So it just felt like it's the, latest, a, it's the same thing, wasn't of... it? It was Groundhog Day in terms of <laughs> yes. you know, like players having to work really hard, getting as Spencer said, getting a lot of injuries, muscle injuries, because the same players are playing all the time. Like the bench um, is is very poor. I feel sorry for the young academy lads, but they shouldn't be at this this stage of their like their careers. Um, on the bench um, all the time. Mm. Clearly, they're never going to come on. Um, it is it is really harsh for them. Um, obviously, great experience, but it's just a bit, I don't know, it's a bit false, if that makes sense, in terms of, you know, they're not going to come on. Yeah, it's a bit desperate for them as well. It's not it's not very sincere, I don't think, given them that experience, because they're never going to come on. Um, mm. So, yeah, but at the same time, we can, you know, are a good side and, and, and got some good players in their team. Um, obviously, Lang is, is a talent. They've got a lot of good players in their team. So I'm sure their weekend fans are very happy with, with the result. Um, I think probably maybe yeah. we should just move on to top three. I don't think there's too much else to say about that second half. Yeah, just just before we do, I would, I would, all I would say is that you know we can be quite critical of the the two in that second half, but yeah, let's not let's not forget that was a good performance for Shrewsbury in general, and um, you know another step on a, on a little bit of the performance is getting better, even the result wasn't there, so there was something to take away from that game as a positive, and we've we've talked enough on this podcast earlier about games where there haven't been any positives, but if we're going to talk about positives, yeah, let's talk about top three. So go on, Spencer, you you do yours first, mate. So I've got Udo definitely um, top for me by a country mile. Um, effort with the assists, put himself about. In the second half as well, considering you know the two um, jokers he has to work with up front next to him, he was still putting in 110% effort. And again, it's just the, the physicality, the the technique, um, you know, running down general, um, you know, blind alleyways at points. And again, I think it's difficult to take it away from him. Um, Vela, I've got second. I think if you stuck someone um, next to Vela, um, we wouldn't have half the problems we do. Again, he passed the ball around really, really well, put in 110% effort as well as Udo. But again, his movement, the way he was trying to look for the ball and pass it around, especially in the first half, was really good. And then I think, you know, we've got to give it to Bowman um, third. Didn't play the full 90 minutes, which is why it's difficult to have him any higher up. But again, that goal for me, you know, just shows what, you know, a poacher it is and the, the value of having someone like that on the pitches. Yeah, for, for me, I, I had Odo and Morosi pretty hard to split, to be honest with you, for various reasons, one either end of the pitch. Um, I originally had Morosi first, but I've switched it around now, having talked about his uh, problem with that long shot at the end. So I've gone Odo first for exactly what Spencer just said. Don't need to, to lament that um, anymore. Morosi, he did make a lot of good saves in the game, and as I say, it would have been a game we probably would have lost by more without him. Um, and then for me, third, I, I say we, we didn't really talk too much about the defence. I tried to say they did well, but I thought Nurse had another exceptional game for us at the back um, as a 22-year-old, yeah, again, showing some leadership at the back. So yeah, he's just been really good, and I thought he, he was worth a third place. So that's my top three. What were you, Ollie? Yeah, I think special mentions for Leahy and Nurse, who didn't get into my top three. Um, I thought, yeah, you know, yeah. Leahy's just yeah, he's he's kind of yeah, he's kind of a bit of a thorn in our side in some ways um, because um, yeah, he proves that you can move positions, <laughs> and it's obviously it's a bit of a contradiction when we say Leahy's doing a good job when other players aren't. But Leahy has been fantastic recently, hasn't he? But I went for a doe. A Bowman and Leahy from my top three. Um, and you're going to come onto the press conference now, Glee. And I thought the first minute of the press conference was pretty much ev- summed everything up um, in, in his first few sentences. 
Yeah, just, just think about Leahy then. Like, often you talk about utility players, and there aren't that many of them in the game, are there? But, like, he's he's kind of shown that he can be a proper utility player, hasn't he? Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if he could play the number 10 role and do an half-decent job there. So, um, yeah, he's he's like um, a sort of modern-day Jake Sedgmore, if, if there's one for the, the conference season aficionados. But, um, yeah, the, the pre, pre-match, um, sorry, post-match conference, um, yeah, he just said it's a very bitter one. Kept using the word bitter, didn't he, to sort of describe his, his feelings about it. And I think that, you know, Spencer there probably felt exactly the same thing. I was, I was pretty chiffed off with it at the end as well so a real hard one to take for everybody fans players and, and manager alike um but you talked about how excellent we were first half um interesting we we didn't really talk about this but he kind of said the reason why potentially we were getting those niggles and also how we sort of slowed down towards the end was that we've had two games on two very wet heavy pitches in a couple of days and you know it's it was take it's taken something out of our legs although we won't repeat the point about having a small squad and why you need a larger squad when you're having to deal with this in mid 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 december so um that was interesting um on the final goal yeah we've obviously expressed expressed our unhappiness about a couple of players he clearly said the same thing he said you want all the substitutes to do better than they do that was a disappointment for me and which is probably the most accurate thing he said all season in my opinion um and he also followed up where there are a couple of people who have got to do better with that and they know who they are which makes me think he probably uh maybe pulled them up in the post-match in the changing room which i hope he did um and then yeah went on to say i thought our lads were brilliant overall we've given away two goals um but if you take that out of the game i thought we were brilliant um yeah okay i suppose that's fair enough um and then yeah he, he did keep using the word brilliant a little bit too much for my liking we did play really well but um we did lose and we we're on a bad run away from home so I, maybe a little bit too much of the brilliant for my liking but in general very positive about the, the style and the and the performance even though the result wasn't there but um, he really does need a result away from home Ollie, more than the performances at the moment doesn't he we need to get that monkey off our back yeah I, I, do, I totally agree Glenn um, it's, it was, playing Doncaster away is good timings um, in terms of fixture list because you're going to play a team that's not doing very well but I do fear um, who's going to be playing and, and the team and it's just getting worse and worse. It's it's the tenth of December as we record this. I'm still quite a way to go until we get to transfer window, mm. and we are absolutely desperate for some bodies. And one thing, Ollie, we haven't talked about, and he, he did this in his pre-match for for Wigan, and maybe it's worth getting Spencer's thoughts on this before we wrap this game up. But he, he started out that that kind of conference talking about how um, you know our away form has been a struggle because of the change in style that we've had, and I, I was interested by that because. We've been playing five at the back for the last three years, you know, with counter-attacking football and and wing backs. I don't, I don't understand what style and. I think he's talking absolute bullshit. To be honest, Fine. we, we so tried to play, pass, tried to play passing football at the start of the season, mm. realised it doesn't work in, and now we play a a direct style of football. And we do mix it up. Some games we'll try and do the channels, don't we? Sometimes we do that one-two passes behind the full-backs. So we do have certain different tactics we use, but we we are direct. Um, and we, for me, we play the same home and away. Um, I don't see any difference. The only thing you could say is maybe we just go more defensive, but I wouldn't say the style changes. No, it's a bit of an odd thing to say. Yeah. Um, and Spencer, before we before we kick off the podcast, um, and thank you for joining us. Um, where are you at with Cotter at the moment? You know, things have changed from three four weeks ago, haven't they? Certainly. But what are your what are your vibes from him at the moment? I think it's very, you know, I'm very much on the fence with it. If you'd asked me this a few weeks ago, you know, I was definitely on the on the cultural criticism, you know, bandwagon mm. more than anything. But I, I don't feel like he ever lost the dressing room. Um, that's what I think has no. been key with it. He almost seems to have had everybody on side, um, you know, in the dressing room. And it's almost like, you know, we where we were when he first took over, where it's us against the world, you know, bunker mentality. And he seems to be installing that quite well into the players. But, you know, make no mistake, this season has been ruined by poor recruitment and a lack of players in. 
And the and that blame lies purely with Steve Cottrell. And again, that match against mm. Wigan, if we'd have had a stronger bench, there's no doubt in my mind we would have got that draw over the line. And again, now it's up to him in January to prove that we can actually build a squad that's ready to go. And I think there's a huge amount of pressure on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the difficulty when it comes down to the talk about whether or not he should, you know, have been sacked and, you know, the movement... I don't think we can find anybody who would, um, you know, improve with the squad we have because it's very, very threadbare. Um, and I think, you know, he obviously deserves a little bit of grace um, in terms of everything that he did last season. But for me, you know, the the object as soon as that transfer window shut was to stay within touching distance, you know, from in terms of safety. And for me, you know, we are roughly where we need to be. But again, he needs to get it right in January now. And if he's to get uh, fans like me back on side, and if he's to get a lot of fans who are, you know, very disappointed and, you know, almost feel cheated with season ticket money back on side, then we have to invest in January. We have to get those players in. And again, that's on him now. And it's on the recruitment and it's to do with everything there. So for me, you know, he can turn it around. Absolutely. Have I seen enough in terms of the squad to see that he can turn it around? Yes, I can actually. Um, but again... He's now got to prove that in January, and that's where I stand with him. The only challenge I'd have to that is signing players in January is very hard, um, and you can't mm. necessarily get the players that you want to get. Um, so I, I agree with what you're saying, Spencer. I just think that uh, it's not going to be easy. Can I just add yes, with that though? We talk about the um, we talk about the um, the the transfer window and and the money, but we haven't spent the money in the summer. So frankly, he's got no excuses to turn around and say, you know, we can't afford players in January because if, um, you know, what Brian has said is right about, you know, saving the money on wages and all of this, then we've clearly got the ability to spend money in January. Otherwise, you know, there's no excuse. And, and as we talked about at the top, Ollie, in the intro, we've got a bit of Liverpool money coming our way, haven't we? So, yeah, yeah, it's gonna, I, don't, I think we shouldn't lament this too much, Ollie, because we've got a few pods before the January yeah, window, haven't we? And we'll, we'll cover that more. But good to get your thoughts on that, Spencer. And, um, yeah, I guess we're going to have to move on to the Doncaster game now um, in, a, in a moment. But, yeah, thanks for joining us, Spencer. I suppose there might be more games up your way coming up in the new year. We might need your expertise on if um, we can't we can't be doing the cold journeys up north. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining us and, and making your Saddlecast debut. No pleasure. Thank you for having me. Good stuff. And we'll move on to the Doncaster game now, Ollie. Godfrey forward to the feet of Nolan to Nahua. Nahua, can he get the shot in here? On he goes. Nahua does shoot and he scores! He's won it! Arthur Nahua! Off the bench in stoppage time! So, yeah, unfortunately, Doncaster won. Shrewsbury Town, nil. That is not a result we wanted or maybe we're expecting in some respects, although this way this season's going, maybe we should have done. Um, yeah, 1 0 loss at the team bottom of the league. And, and Doncaster's form had been abject coming into this, Ollie. They've obviously lost their manager. They've got an assistant manager in charge. Um, they had no win in the last six, and they were bottom of the league. So there is some stats to give some context as to how bad this result was. Um, but there are reasons for it, I suppose. Um, I wanted to just have a quick chat, Ollie, and it's probably worth you reflecting on this, is that we, we kind of thought we'd picked ourselves up in terms of our attacking performance. Um, but we our rolling average over five games is now the lowest of the season for shots on target. It's just 2.2 per game, um, which is absolutely terrible. You know, you're not going to score many goals if you only have two shots on target a game. And the last few games have been Bolton 2, Ipswich 2, MK Dons 3, Oxford 0, Cambridge 9, which is propping it up. Um, Cheltenham 2, Sunderland 3, Charlton 2, Wigan 2, Doncaster 2. So we're stuck at this two shots on target per game. Um, we're not going to win games if that's that's the level of output we're getting and actually testing goalkeepers, are we? 
no, as I, I don't know if you saw this in the week, Glenn. Um, there's a really good account that's popped up recently. I'm called oh, the yeah. Near Post, and they um, did a, a graph, and it showed that we have the second worst um, attack in open play. Mm. I mean, in terms of XG, and I know people cringe when they hear XG, but in terms of you know, twenty-one games, twenty games, whatever. You know, it's it's a good a good barometer of how good we are going forward. Yeah, and we are the um the yeah, the twenty-third best attack yeah. in the division. Not surprising, and that that does go for it. Um, and and yeah, this is this stat is backed up by the, the next stat really for this one. After twenty-one games this season, this is now the least amount of goals we've scored in these recent League One seasons. So we've scored nineteen goals in twenty-one league games so far this year, which is lower than any of the Ricketts era, lower than the start of that ASCII season. It's it's lower than everything. So yeah, the output is just absolutely minimal in terms of attacking still. Um, and yeah, you can look at attacking, but two clean sheets in twenty-eight now, Ollie, which is unbelievable to be honest with you that is by far the lowest ratio we've had this century um and in terms of talking about bad runs this century our away run is now absolutely diabolical ollie we've no win in 12 um and the points per game in that run is only 0.1667 right so it's awful sorry can i stop you there glenn go on you've got to question the fans that are going to away games (laughs) yeah but i'm one of them (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing it's a bit mad at the moment you're not getting much joy out of it yeah, it's 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 so bleak. It's just so bleak. I saw um um Cal not Carl do a really funny um video, post a little video, a famous video. I think it's from the only like Chelsea program, whatever it's called, yeah. saying I can't do this anymore. You can, <laughs> you can. Um, and it felt about like me and you doing the agenda again um, and preparing for this pod. But it does yeah. feel like that at Shrewsbury Town fans at the moment. Yeah, we're not we're we're not not Berry. We're not I don't know South End. You know, we're not we're not not that bleak. But it's bloody boring losing every week and never scoring. Yeah, and that's the reason. The away run, it is losing almost every week. You know, two draws from, from 12 away is is terrible. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not good enough. And as I say, my argument is this is the worst away run since um, since this in this century, basically, um, because the points per game is just so diabolical. As, as I've said before, we had a longer run of away, win, away games without wins, which was under Simpson when we went 20 without a win, but we got loads and loads of draws and we won all our home games that season. So, you know, that didn't feel as bad of a run in some respects, but to, to get, you know, less than 0.2 points per game over 12 games, staggeringly bad. It's by far the worst. And I'll put a thing up on Twitter if anyone wants the context of why I think it's the worst run. So, um, yeah, the last away game we won was May the 9th, Ollie, um, and Fleetwood will be our last chance to, to, to win an away game in the start of the, the start of the season before, before January. So um, I'm not overly confident about that one. So, yeah, there we go. I just wanted to kind of sum up because this, these two And this game is the perfect embodiment exactly. of, of that attacking play and exactly. I'm sure that's why you put it in the agenda. Yeah, it just sums it up, doesn't it? And it's, this week has added another two on top of that bad away run and God knows when it'll end. Um, but um, yeah, we just we just can't win them. Um, anyway, team selection, Ollie. You were sitting at home in the nice dry. I was walking in a rainy rainy Doncaster to the stadium when the news came through. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Do we just skip over this because the same as we talked about Wigan? <laughs> what else can we do? Yeah, it's just the only difference was um, that Pike came in um, for Bowman, uh, which meant yep. that we shift, shifted the front three around a little bit. We're a doe at top, and we had Bloxham and Pike um, supporting a doe in a, in a three. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, uh, I don't know, is it moving the deck chairs around while the Titanic sinks a little bit? I don't know. feels a bit like that at the moment, doesn't it? But yeah, so Morosi, Pennington, Leahy, Nurse, Daniels and Ogbetter as the wing-backs, uh, Bennett, Vela in midfield, and then Pike blocks them, and he's just had a doe through the middle. So that, that was the team selection. Um, bench full of kids again, but 
that's all you could do, really. I, I went to the game, as we said, just to reflect on that. Um, fair play to Doncaster. They had a little bloke, well, they had a bloke dressed as a reindeer um, and a goal set up under the concourse. Um, so the kids could have a little sort of penalty shootout against a reindeer, which was a nice touch. So fair play to their community team. Um, and yeah, managed to find Chris Hudson and his lad, who, who's been on the podcast before. So sat with them to kind of have a, have a, have a natter and also a, a guy called Paul Coyne, who's also been on the podcast as well. So got a bit of reflections from them as the game went on, Ollie, which I'll feed in. But um, yeah, that, that was me. Sat down and uh, it was chucking it down with rain. Game started. And yeah, it was all right, wasn't it, at the start, I think. Is that fair enough? I think we keep saying yeah, this. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I thought we thought we started okay. We started play okay with some decent bit of play. Oh, better, um, is, as he does, um, had a shot, fired yeah. wide. Um, and then this kind of like sums up our game a little bit. There's just one attacking play. And yeah, obviously looking back now, it's, it's no surprise we didn't score. So Ado a um, crosses the ball into the box and can't find his man. And then a second, the ball has cleared. Daniel gets the ball. He tries to cross the ball and he goes out for a throw. Mm. And it was just that kind of poor decision-making, which has been a theme all the way since Paul Hurst's season. We were just so poor at making decisions in the final third, which must be really frustrating for the coaching staff because they get them into these positions and their colleagues you know, get them into these places, but we just can't make the right choice. Yeah. Um, and that was really, really poor. Um, and But then, Glenn, I think it's fair to say, um, you know, Doncaster were always a threat. Yes. And there was one attacking bit of play here where uh, basically, uh, basically a ball basically comes over to the right and, and Daniels is stuck between two men. He he, he doesn't really t- mark either men. Um, and then, yeah, the Doncaster player comes in, he shoots, it goes past Morosi, um, but there's a really, really good save um, um, diving tackle from Leahy, mm. which blocks the shot. So not great for Morosi, really poor by Daniels, uh, but amazing for Leahy. Um, what has, how, how did that moment go down in the stadium? Yeah, I mean, I think as we go through this, Leahy was absolutely fantastic first half. By far the best player we had, made a number of good blocks and, and headers. But yeah, that moment was, was, was one of those ones where it was, it was kind of like, oh, right, they've woken up now, I think, once they had that chance. Because to me, it felt like the early exchanges were that Doncaster played with absolutely no confidence. They looked there for the taking. You know, I, I was quite impressed with how we played in that first 10, 15 minute spell. Um, and to me, I was like, you know, we need to score while we're on top here. And I think when you look at how the game went, that's probably the bit we regret the most. We started fast, but again, we just didn't score and, and let them off the hook. And then as the game went on, it grew into a much more even contest, I think, as we went on. So to me, it was more of a case of, um, I don't know, feeling a bit let down by the, as you mentioned, lack of quality really in the final third during those early spells. Um, and you know, that, that kind of continued through the game. But we definitely were the most on top in the game in that opening 10 minutes. Um, we just couldn't find the final ball, could we? Which is particularly, um, yeah, <laughs> common. To be honest with you, that one moment you were talking about there, I did miss because in the pre-match warm-up, it was this old, like, 50-year-old bloke, I think he was. He got hit in the face by a ball from our as oh, accurate, our, our totally accurate shooting ollie um, in, in our warm-up. And as the game went in, about 10 minutes, this lady came and tapped me on the shoulder. She said, you all right? And I was like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, are you okay now? That ball hit you in the face. And I was like... No, it was it was that guy down there. He's like about fifteen years older than me. I was I was quite appalled by it, Ollie. But, um, <laughs> so, so I, I've, had, I've had a real, Glenn. I've had another wake up call. <laughs> there we go. Um, so yeah, so um, I kind of missed that one where we scrambled off the line. But um, yeah, uh, Coiny and uh, Chris Hudson next to me were saying it was absolutely excellent defending by Leahy. So um, that kind of continued yeah. as the half went on. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, and then again, an- another great example of our poor attacking play. Super ball from Velo into Daniels at the back stick. Really, really poor cross. Mm. Um, just plays it to the central defender and where a, a Doe was in a perfect position to have a shot. Um, and that was really, really poor. Um, then there was a the moment where you probably cheered, Glenn, um, where we took a long throw. Uh, it's worth noting, actually, of XG from open play. We do create a lot of opportunities from set pieces. And we have basically a long throw thrown in. 
comes over to the left-hand side of the box, fired into the back of the net by Bloxham, but unfortunately he was offside. Yeah, I thought it was Pike, actually. You know, it was down the other end away from us, and uh, you know, wind, rainy day, a bit of steam on the old glasses because of the mask. I couldn't quite tell it was. I thought, that's a good finish from Pike, but yeah, it was Bloxham, wasn't it? And um, yeah, it was one of those ones where the, the flag went up or the, the sort of um, referee waved it away straight away, so I don't think anyone got too overexcited by it. Um, so that was good. Um, but yeah, nice nice finish, I thought, actually, from Bloxham, watching it. But um, yeah, that wasn't too good. But yeah, it wasn't to be for Bloxham, um, which is a bit unfortunate. And then, as I said, as that half went on, I thought that um, they got into it more in that last 10 minutes of the, of the first half and there was a moment where I think they they put a ball into the box and there was like a, a, a real kind of scrappy minute where they had a couple of couple of shots but they looked well set to score but they were really snatching their chances particularly in the first half you know a team without confidence trying to get off the bottom of the league and um, there was a couple of good blocks in there from Daniels there was a, a really good save from Morosi during it but also some quite poor finishing from Doncaster which you know they could easily have gone in one and up at half time after that moment. Yeah, there was that moment where they got in. An example I put on Twitter this morning, yeah, where they get in, um, uh, yeah, and and Daniels is just lost again. He's just watching the ball, doesn't yeah, track his man. His man creeps in behind him, um, and then basically another poor finish from Doncaster. And to be fair, I think Doncaster should have been two 0 up. Could have been. You know, easy, if, yeah. if, you do, if, we're, if we're doing a Doncaster pod this morning and talking about the first half, you would definitely be saying we should have been two up because they were, you know, chances not just not just inside the not in the penalty box in the six yard box. And if you don't score in the six-yard box, that's that's a really poor finish. And Leahy goes mental at Daniels. And I've talked about Daniels a little bit. I've put something on Twitter this morning. But you tell me, Glenn, that you had a discussion at the game about him. Yeah, we were talking about it second half. And the poor lad, he does stand out as a, a guy that isn't a defender. And, you know, I like Daniels as a player from what I've seen him when he's in attacking Yeah, I, th- I think he's a great player, but- yeah. Yeah, he's not a defender, is he? Let's be honest about it. And, you know, the fact we've been playing Daniels at right wing back and Pike at right wing back and Vela at right wing back, you know, none of them natural fits there. You know, Vela's probably done the best job, maybe Pike second, but Daniels, I, I would suggest, is v- a very much a fish out of water playing there. And it's not so much about his positioning. And I think you, you can you can flag that up because you think he gets caught out, which is which is true, he does. But for me, he's, he's just a bit naive. When a player runs up and one-on-ones him, it, all you need to do is drop your shoulder and you pass Daniels. Um, and that's just about defensive positioning as well, I suppose in some respects but it's also about just playing that position and having confidence instinct isn't it yeah it's that natural you know you talk about that natural instinct you know if you if you take a really good player and play him in central midfield all of a sudden he's got a completely different dynamic to manage he's got you know he's obviously in the middle of the pitch he's got have a 360 vision you could anything could happen from any side where yeah you're you're playing as a winger and then all of a sudden you're being asked to defend and you know we're not playing sunday league football you know, it's not like no. you know. It's not like me and you were playing for the away supporters, and we go away to I don't know Doncaster away or something. And I say, Glenn, you know, we need you to cover in at centre back today, and you'd probably get away with it. <laughs> yeah, but when you're back. playing, when you're playing professional football, the the margins and the speed and the quality of the players is so much that yeah, the only you need a little crack, and yeah, teams will start exploiting it. Yeah. Yes, we need we we need we need to go back to having Bennett there somehow. You know, get some of these players back fit and go back to a bit more consistent there. Because well, I don't say, even think Bennett's natural there either, which is the the thing. It's just he's the it's, best. It's definitely for me. I think the you know people talk about and lament the lack of finishing, which is a problem. Yep. Right back, I really think is our worst position. I mean, I think it creates a, a real imbalance in the whole squad. It's funny you say that. We did. We talked about this on Saturday, actually, the lads I was, I was with, especially Paul I was talking to, and I was saying, yeah, it is staggering. And we've said this before, that we went into this season with a worse situation at right wing back when it's been a problem for three years. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, there we go. We've had our say on that, Ollie. But uh, it's it's quite interesting, you know, people watching it on the iFollow, um, you know, illegally or whatever, however you guys do it. Um, And I, I was all right. I didn't think we'd been that bad in the first half, being there on the day. I think maybe it's because, you know, we were kind of hard, hard defending and... 
you know, we had a couple of chances. And but you know, I feel I feel like when I got back and started looking at what people have been putting on Twitter, that you know, no one really thought we were brilliant in the first half. I thought we played some good football at times, but um, yeah, I think I was probably a bit more positive about it than the, the general feel, which is quite unusual for me, Ollie. I understand how you have that position, Glenn. I thought in terms of the general play, we we did some nice tidy stuff. Mm. Um, it's just for me, there's two things. Again, it's just both boxes, poor yep. poor defensively, and um, yeah, not so good in our own box. And it, you know, sometimes you have that debate, don't you? We've had it before, where it's like, yeah, but we got into the box and we've got ourselves into that position. But if you don't create shots on target or score, is it really that good? So yeah, it's a bit of a debate sometimes we have, isn't it, about yeah, how good is the performance really? Um, and yeah, first half XG wise wasn't very good. We definitely created more chances in the second half. Yeah, I mean, my overall summary of this game is I felt like I was watching two competent enough teams up until the final third. That's what the whole yeah. game felt like to me. But yeah, there we go. Switch out, but most League One games on it. Yeah, no, most definitely. <laughs> Apart from the teams at the top, well, yeah, um, as, as 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 we saw from Wigan on Tuesday. So yeah, um, second half. Um, yeah, a nurse. We had a nurse throw and flicked on by Pennington and Lee even getting the ball. That was a really, really big chance. Mm. Um, not picked up by XG. Obviously, he didn't touch it. But if he had, that would have been a really high, high chance. Um, and then there was a corner and Pennington header and forcing a save from the keeper. Um, and then, then not too long after that, Pennington wins a free kick. Um, and then so a box in a, a scramble in the box, and we just couldn't get to it, which is a bit of a summary of our game, but a little bit tired and just couldn't get to those moments. But I thought up to this point we kind of dominated the, the second half. Yep, this was an, our other good spell in the game, wasn't it? The early second half period where, and and let's be honest, there was I think I can't remember, I can't remember what the number of town fans was there. It was around the two hundred seventy three hundred mark again really really loud during that second half you know we were attacking our end we really got up for it and tried to give the lads the boost um i don't think the fans that traveled to Doncaster deserve the result that's for sure but um yeah it was it was a good period we had loads of corners I, i'm not going to go on about corners again we're so bad at corners we have so many and we do nothing with them it's so frustrating so we had lots of corners we had that mad scramble where about three or four players could have had a shot but they just couldn't quite get it away yeah you had the pennington header which was close and again it was like that period in the first half where we got on top we had a bit of control. We we were pushing them back. Didn't score. We were on top again. And in you know so many periods of games, we never play well for ninety minutes, do we? We've very rarely done that this season. But there right. are spells where we look good, and it's the the fact we don't score in those spells that costs us so many games. And it's an it's an eternal frustration this season. Yeah, and then we we probably haven't even come on to maybe the best two chances as yeah, well. Yeah, these were huge. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, another one of these opportunities we just spoke about a minute ago where it's a really good cross from Bennett inside the six yard box but couldn't find a man the keeper pushes away oh, that and wasn't then, a good cross I'm going to I'm going to argue you there yeah. we were right no, no, by no, it I, I it was a bad cross it was a poor cross it's, again it's another example of really poor um, decision making in the final yeah. third but he was in an amazing position which is the point it's that, diff- that weight in between the difference between being in the right position but the final ball being horrendous this one annoyed me more than the Ado chance, to be honest with you, which was an even better chance in some respects. Yeah, they, they played really well. They got in, and Bennett's on the byline, and, and you, I'm there. I'm right behind where Bennett is, basically. There are two players, almost unmarked in the box, you know, and all he's got to do is just cut it back. And he goes to do it, and I'm I'm sure he catches it wrong, or he's thinking he's had a shot, because he just hits it straight at the keeper. And and that is just that, that final little moment that was missing. And if we go ahead there, we've won that game. There's no doubt Donny going on himself, we've won. And just little moments like that are costing us. And, and Bennett's a good player. He's He's been one of our better players this season. And even he has that little brain fart at the right moment. And yeah, I, that was one of those moments looking around the stand and, and the fans that were like, this isn't going to happen. That was one of the ones where we were like, it's de- we're definitely not going to score here. And then we obviously have the Ado chance you can talk about in a second. And it just felt with those two chances quite close to each other, we were like... We've had plenty of chances here. We've we've basically bottled this in some respects, and um, yeah, it was so frustrating that one. It was a really, really poor, a really, really poor chance. Yeah. 
Next chance we had, um, Ado was in goal, um, he threw in through on goal. Basically, it was a bit of a scrum in the middle of the park. Blocks him holding up a player. Vela kind of kicks the ball over the top. Just mm-hmm. a bit of a bit of a well, it was, it was a great ball. It worked out to be a great ball. It was a bit yeah. of a hoof. Um, it was a percentage chance. Um, terrible, terrible defending from from um, from Doncaster. And one of the central vendors just literally just like sp- missed the ball trying to hit it. It bounced. Really fair play to a doe for trying. Good run. And he couldn't really do anything else. He just tries to header it down, and the keeper makes an amazing save. I don't think I can. I'm not going to criticise Adele on that one. That was a really. That was a. Yeah, it was. It was a close one. Yeah, that was a. That was a frustrating moment as well. I actually got a video of that on. Put it on Twitter as it was happening because it looked like a good attack was was happening. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of things about it. Yeah, yeah. Adele doesn't take the chance. Great play from Ogbetta. Um, just missing that clinical touch from from Adele. But what I what my main thought was was it kind of reminded me a little bit of the goal at Carlisle where someone put a ball across the box. All it needed was a touch. And if Bowman's running in back post, which is probably where he would have been, he just slides that in. You know, sniffer chance. It's the sort of chance you want Bowman on the end of and not Adele. So unfortunately, Bowman is injured, and that is a big miss, isn't it? So um, yeah. It's funny but it you just, mention it, a Bowman there because um, the manager mentioned that. He- him in the press conference he said Bowman would have taken it yeah oh that's interesting there we go yeah he would have done I'm sure of it so but it, it was just at that point and this was just before they scored and it was like so every time we attacked something happened like this we had a snap or a half chance or a ball pass to the post or you know these corners that got cleared away something was happening all the time the town fans were well up for it and you know exactly what was coming Ollie it was the kick in the balls <laughs> I didn't see it coming. Um, to be honest. Oh, I didn't um, see it coming either. The way the game was no, going, but it, it was, was really inevitable. Cool. <laughs> but it's worth noting that Pike came on, yes. and then within a few minutes of being on, some little lad just shoulder barges him, and he falls over, um, <laughs> which is frustrating. Um, and then basically, we, get, we make a mistake. Um, they win a corner. Um, a ball comes in. I have no idea what Morrissey was doing. It was like when you watch it back, it's truly embarrassing. Just this little star jump, yeah. miles away from the ball. Head a ball in the back of the net. Um, 79 minutes, absolute sucker punch. Um, and yeah, Doncaster get an absolutely huge win for them. I don't think you can underestimate how important that win was was for them. Yep. Um, and it was heartbreak for us because we thought maybe we'd get a point or, you know, obviously we probably should have scored in the second half. Should have won. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just Groundhog Day, isn't it? And, you know, we'll, we'll, talk, about, we'll talk about it maybe for a, a few seconds after you share your opinion on the goal, Glenn, but it's just the same old problems. Oh, oh shit, bad defending, free header, what what can you do? Morosi probably should command himself a little bit more there. It's like it's hardly any distance of his line where it's headed in. I'd like to see him come out and be a bit more commanding. But it just, you know, sitting in the stand, it, you know, you look around and um, I don't know, it was just, it, it, this is more about the whole kind of summary of how we lost that game in the end. It wasn't anger amongst the town fans. Like I've talked about apathy, it wasn't really apathy either. It was almost like, it was almost like, People kind of knew it was going to happen because we'd missed so many chances. A bit like that Ipswich game last yeah, season. It was almost like pod. it was almost like this is Shrewsbury Town. This is what we do. We'll we we are finding ways this season to not win games we should win. Red cards at Cheltenham. The red card in the game following it. The last minute equalisers. The last minute lost games like Wigan. Situations like this where we've dominated the game and somehow lost to a really really poor Doncaster team. Because mark my words, they weren't great. You know, it, we are continually finding ways not to get on good runs. And, you know, we talked about that little run we had before, but any run of like four games of a couple of draws and a win is completely undermined by two losses back to back in the league. It puts you back to square one. So we're not going on any major runs. And it just, it just, the whole thing felt like we've, we've managed to somehow throw another game away that we should have won. And the whole away form thing and the whole nature of how it happened. And, you know, did Town respond after we went behind? I didn't really think they did, Ollie. You know, there was still 10 minutes of the game left and we, 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 we'd been dominated up until they score. And after that, 
they had all the ball really and we didn't really do too much and yeah really really bad and at the end as I say there was a bit of booing Ollie to be honest with you but it was more just like people shook their heads or just left the stadium before the town fans even come over to clap them because um, we, we were a bit further back we got a bit stuck getting out um, but there can't have been more than 150 fans in there when the town fans came over to clap and it was it was a bit like I wasn't really asked about clapping them. Normally I do, like pretty much every game, but I just felt so dispirited and down by the, the kind of situation we're finding ourselves in week after week that I just wanted to get home, get in the dry and get home. And I think a lot of town fans are feeling like that at the moment, which is why we are only seeing the consistent set to three to four, three to three fifty away fans every week. That is it. That is our away attendance. There's nothing happening away from home that is going to make us get big away attendances other than playing someone local like Cheltenham. So, yeah, very very dispiriting, Ollie, for me that Saturday. Very dispiriting, Glenn, yeah. I think, yeah, you've mentioned already about the poor away form. Obviously, that win against the bottom, the worst team in the division yes. is, is poor. That means we've only won five games now in, in 21. We've won um, less than 25% of our league games, which is just, quite frankly, appalling. Um, yeah, we, we, are, we are firmly in the relegation battle. Um, and as you say, Glenn, you know, we've got less than a point a game, which is normally kind of a bit of a marker for staying up. So we, um, Lincoln have got over a point a game in our 18th, which is normally enough to keep you out. It is um, dire at the bottom. Um, and yeah, we've lost two um, two league games on a row now, two, two league games lost in this week, both lost at the end of the game, which is not good for morale. There was a really good um, discussion on, online about how some people feel sorry for some of the players that are working so hard. And we, we won't repeat what we said in the in the Wigan game, but... The fact that we only we only brought on um, Pike late on, and then I think we brought on Lechabella even later. Um, it all comes back to that same point, which is so boring. But just Steve Cottrell fucked up the summer window, and our players are now suffering the result of that. He can talk about coats and hot water bottles and temperatures, and the fact that Exeter <laughs> is apparently in the Caribbean and, and all this fucking nonsense. But let's put it straight. We are in a dire miss because Steve Cottrell cocked up the transfer window exactly yep. the same as he did to Bristol City when he was in the championship. He absolutely cocked it up. And as a result, our players are playing when they probably shouldn't be. Um, and then we have injuries. We've had, um, Vela has had muscle injuries. A Bowman has had two type of two times of muscle injury. Wally's had muscle injuries. Ebanks has had muscle injuries. Pierre has had muscle injuries. Daniels has had muscle injuries. Mm. Um, who else? Has Adobe been injured? Like Davis has been carrying knocks apparently. You know, yep. we have had so many in muscle injuries and which, and you know, he talks about heavy pitches. Yeah, maybe Carlisle don't have a modern pitch. Most teams in League One have sand-based pitches, so that's not really such an excuse anymore. I saw an interesting input on Twitter from our former groundsman, Andy. Yeah. So all these excuses keep coming up, but he never talks about the real reason that we're in the mess because he fucked up. No, and he's not going to, is he? It's easy to find... He's too proud. You know, he's never going to do it, but he would win a lot of favour with the fans. And yeah, we had that run and, and we had those few games where we got some results and the fans are really happy and kind of, you know, kind of was a little bit you of wanted a, to go with a it, bright you? spot. Yeah. yeah, you want us to do well. And, and as you say, Steve Cottrell will have, you know, he will set us up tactically well, he'll do well. But but when we lose, he's a grumpy sod. Um, and yeah, he's he's caused this issue. And as you mentioned in the, la in the last section, Glenn, going down to League Two, no thanks. No, exactly. Let's be brutally honest about it. We're three points off the bottom of the league, Ollie, in, in yeah. December. You know, could that's, easily that's switch. No go through Christmas. We could be doing the January January pods and we could be bottom of the table. Yep. 
and we're sloshing around with teams that have already sacked their managers. You know, let's let's be brutally honest well, yeah. about it. You know, well, yeah, you got yeah, you've got you've got Morecambe below us now on nineteen points, but on goal difference, you've got Gillingham seventeenth, Doncaster twenty um, third um, with sixteen points, Gillingham twenty second, sorry, and Crew twenty fourth with fifteen points. So you've got Doncaster, Gillingham, Morecambe um, below us, but e but then above us, you, you know, there was a bit of a gap between Wimbledon and and, and Lincoln. To 18th yep. to 17th is at the three-point gap, but we're six points away from Wimbledon, so we are kind of drifting away a little bit now. We were catching up, but now we're starting to drift again. Obviously, you know, a win, and those two don't win, we go to 22 points, and we start catching Lincoln up again. But it feels like the momentum is going the wrong way now. Yeah, definitely, definitely a switch this week. A big, big momentum. Losing two league games back to back is is in the nature. We've lost them as well against a team at the bottom. That's just it's dev- it's pretty devastating to where we're at at the moment. But you know. A run now are coming up, I suppose, and we will talk about it in a minute. Where we've got, he would feel like there's still chances to get points. We've got I suppose three good break. games coming up. To be fair, it could so make or break. Got, yeah, we've got we got Cheltenham at home, um, who who are yeah hit and miss. Paul. We've got Fleetwood, who have been picking up a few results recently. Yep. At home away, we never do don't go never do very well going yeah, there, and we, we always we hear that there. annoying noise. <laughs> we will um, not And win then there. on the Wednesday, the 29th. So yes, yeah, so obviously you've got the 18th next week. Then we've got Boxing Day away, and then we've got Wednesday, the 29th of December. We're at home against Stanley. For yep. me, that Stanley game, the last game in December, man, like I don't know, Glenn. Like let's say probably lose away to Fleetwood, um, but for me, we need six points from the the home games. I, th- I don't think four points is is good enough against those mm. sides. Yeah. It's tricky. It's going to be a tricky run coming up. Well, it's not. Really, it shouldn't be tricky, but it will be. You know, we'll find ways to make it tricky. And who knows? After another two games this week, who's going to have muscle injuries for next game? So we'll we'll find out, won't we? Um, let's wrap this game up anyway, Ollie. Um, who's your top three? Yeah, I went for Leahy, Nurse, and Vella. Yeah, I went for Leahy. Um, he was by far our most outstanding player in the game, as he has been for a lot of games this season. I went for Pennington second. Surprisingly good. Uh, not surprisingly good, I suppose. That's a bit unfair. He was actually really good in the game, I thought, defensively. There was a couple of times where he was one offering overlaps as we were trying to get back into to, to get those goals in the second half. Um, so I, I admired his uh, effort he put into that one. And yeah, Nurse, um, again, excellent at the back. So yeah, three three centre-backs for me, which tells you a, tells you a tale about the game, I suppose, Ollie. Yep, it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, struggling for positives from this one, to be honest, <laughs> overall. Um, so what did the manager have to say? He said the performance is no more than average. Um, so yeah, he's basically land blasting the players a little bit there, which has got to get to the point. It's got to be, a, I know the players have not, you know, the players are clearly working for, well, most of the players are clearly working for the manager, but surely when he has these kind of comments about Bowman, um, you know, making, making comments about him and the reason he's injured is himself. That's surely the players are gonna can't won't put up for that for too long. Um, and says, that, yeah. yeah, and he says, yeah, the game goes on. We make mistake and don't clear the ball. We've had chances today. We're not sharp, and it's been a long week. He just talked about this long week, and it has been a long week. But if you've got a few players on the bench, you can rotate a little bit. Um, I think this may be the word of the podcast, Glenn. Um, he says it was a lackluster performance, and we looked higher. Lackluster sums up everything about this team yep. at the moment um, in terms of numbers and everything. Um, he said he also goes and say, you know, if we'd been at home, we might have got a, the crowd might have helped us get over the line. No, we tried, lad. You know, Jesus yeah. Christ, the, the Doncaster yeah. fans didn't make any noise the whole no. game. It well, was they're like, quite sparse as well, weren't they? In it terms was terrible. Of they yeah, are. they've given up a little bit. I, that's stupid comment. That is, we we were the noisiest guys there. No, 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 no. He's saying if we were at home, there would have been loads more fans, and he thinks we just maybe would have got. He was, he, was, he said it as a positive in terms mm, of the fans. Okay, at home might have got us over the line. If you keep playing like we play at the moment, you won't have that many home fans. No. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. No, and then just finally on Steve Cottrell, he had no voice. 
he's clearly been shouting a lot. Um, and then he basically really wants, basically Lewis Cox asks about, talks about some chances, which to fair to Lewis Cox, there's not really much he can say apart from if he starts, unless he goes on the dark side and really mm. goes after after him, which is when he has to look at in his, his face every twice a week, it's probably not going to happen. Um, and then it's clearly that Steve Cottrell wants this press conference to end. He mentions the rain and he says he's not going to lambast his players in the press, which he'd done half, he'd done in the week. So maybe <laughs> he decided to stop to do it again. But um, yeah, it's where we are, Glenn. It's it's all a bit shit, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's gone back to being shit. Like I, I think it's your return, Ollie. You know, we just had a couple of positive <laughs> results and things were. Well, heading I the did right think way. that you know there was obviously the yeah the, the Doe had transformed to a new player. Yeah, we got to some big results, and I come back and it's shit again. Yeah, so we've learned that the problem this season is Ollie. So unfortunately, um, <laughs> you know, we'll have to live with that for the moment. But um, there we go. Well, that, that is the end of that. And as I say, we, we've kind of briefly talked about the games coming out, Ollie. So I think we can yeah. probably leave this one here. But yeah, um, we will. There's only tricky. one other thing I wanted to mention is. Um, obviously it's that kind of time again we need to talk about January transfer window yep. given we've got um, I don't know how we're going to do the pockets over Christmas yet we need to decide that we've got the 26th and then the 29th we'll probably do those together but we're definitely we've got a bit of a bit of a breather next week with just one game so let's have, let's do something so I'm going to post on Twitter uh, maybe in the Facebook group as well I'm just trying to get as much input as possible about and if you want to email in um, if you're not on social media you want to email in your opinion um, our our, the email address is on our bio on Twitter, or maybe we'll, we'll, we'll um, yeah, we'll get that out there. We want to play, want fans to review our signings. So you know, we could maybe do a bit of a score report for each player. Yep. Um, so we'll review that, and then also, Glenn, let's use next Saturday, Sunday on the pod to review, you know, the January transfer window because I think we need to look ahead to that. Yep, I think so. There's only one game next week. And this has been a mammoth pod, obviously, your yeah. return and having a guest on and trying to do these two games. So, um, yeah, there's been a lot to talk But there's been a lot to talk about this week with Marvin and, and Liverpool game. And yeah. So, yeah, monster pod. But um, next week, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll slim it down a bit <laughs> back to normal. And, um, yeah, well, we, we are back slim to it normal. Because we'll be talking about the journey transfer window. But, uh, yeah, but... Yeah, but, um, we'll, yeah, hopefully it won't be as long as this one. But, yeah, <laughs> exactly. thanks, guys, for, for getting this far. And, um, yeah, appreciate your support. Good stuff. Catch you next Sunday.